house of the Lord. Thank you for being here. Honor. Just honored. Well, I got a word for you today. Okay, let me say it another way. I, I got a word from the Lord for you today. Grab your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 21. Genesis chapter 21. Out. Genesis chapter 21. Those of you that are here today, we're so honored that you're here in the second service, watching online our YouTube live stream online audience and our radio broadcast. I'm so honored that you're you're a part of this. Literally, I just I don't know I don't know how you feel, but I'm so grateful that literally the world is a part of our service today and to have the opportunity. I get a report from one, one of the, the radio owners. And I tell you this not to brag, but I tell you this to boast on the Lord. Hundreds of thousands of people are a part of this house. Listen, we, we not only war for the nations, we also worship for the nations. And when there's an atmosphere like this, you know that God is breaking some things, not in this room only, but around the world. Did you know that your fight may be for somebody you're not going to meet on this side of eternity? The, uh, the, the one owner of the radio station, he called, he, he sent a message, he sent a text last week. He said, Pastor, I'm so sorry we had internet issues. There were only 142,000 people that were able to be a part of the service last week. <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, thanks be unto God that an internet issue. Still hundreds of thousands of people are a part of this house. And. We're fighting for that. Aren't you grateful that the kingdom is bigger than Charlotte? The kingdom of God is bigger. Amen. We're in this series entitled When Jesus Shows Up, and we're running towards Easter. I, I just, I'm so excited. The whole people get ready thing is in my heart because I'm preaching the 10 places in the Old Testament where we see Jesus come in and make manifestation for himself. Before Mary, before all of those things, the prophet Isaiah is fulfilled with, with him coming through a virgin birth and being a wonderful counselor. There were things that were happening in the Old Testament that he could not regulate to just Michael or Gabriel. He came and he manifested for himself. Last week we preached on when Jesus shows up in our rejection. This week, and we're going to preach, I'll give you the title here in just a second. But we're running towards Easter because the title of my Easter sermon is when Jesus shows up again. We're going to talk about an empty tomb, but we're also going to talk about a trumpet that's going to be sounded. And I'm going to let you know we are, we are more prophetically aligned than you realize. And literally, it's going to be an illustrated sermon. It's one of my favorite styles of preaching, illustrated messages, because people retain more of what they see than just what they hear. That's why I'm very illustrative by nature, because you will retain 60% of a visual, only 40% of hearing. But you have to regulate that, because faith cometh by? Okay, you know the scripture too. So we have to balance that because I want you to retain it, not just experience it. I want you to be able to walk with it and let it be meat to your bones over the weeks and months to come. I'm going to preach this illustrated message on the second coming of Jesus Christ. And, and I'm not going to do all, I'm not going to regulate, but just trust me, you're going to want to be here and you're going to want to bring as many friends that you think. Do you have friends like mine that aren't, they're not like full-blown trying to get to hell? 
but they're trying to just hug that line as close as possible. How much can I get away with and still make it to heaven? Am, am I the only one? Maybe I'm talking to you. Maybe you're the friend I'm talking to. Like, how much can I do and still make it in? On Easter Sunday, I'm going to unpack how close we are. And listen, we're going to have, it's going to, the, the sheer hope of his return is going to make you push because this earth is just a vapor. Come on. And he's hastening the days, y'all. He's hastening the days. I'll get into that later. The, the first place where he showed up in the Old Testament was in the rejection of Hagar. We find this in the book of Genesis chapter 18, but I'm going to talk to Genesis chapter 21 for this service today. I'm going to spend the bulk of my time there because of just the, the way the worship went today. And I'm so grateful for his presence. We'll never cut off his glory. Amen. And so I'm preaching to you this, the subtitle in the message in the series, When Jesus Shows Up. He shows up, here it is, you ready? When I'm stuck. When I'm stuck. Jesus will show up when I'm stuck. Not just when I'm rejected, but just when I just can't get out of whatever I'm in. I can't get over what I'm in. I can't get beyond what I'm in. Let me give you some things to think about by way of introduction today. Most often, he will speak to you by prophecy. The Lord will come into your situation, and he will give you a thing yet to be revealed. That's called prophecy. And what we describe it as is a promise from the Lord that is yet to be realized. But hear me today. A ridiculous prophecy can only be released in a ridiculously contradicting environment. Let me say that again. He will most often release a ridiculous promise in an environment or in a situation or a circumstance that is so contrary to what he's saying that what he's saying sounds completely like it's no way it's possible. Because prophecy is an announcement of a future that is yet to show up. So when I say prophecy, when I say prophesy, what we're doing is the word of the Lord has now come and he's talking to us about a future that has yet to be manifested in our life. It does not mean it's not going to happen. It means it's on the way. It means it's being developed. It's being cultivated. And that this prophecy is going to be manifested in my life. It's just not there yet. It's so interesting because most of the time we invite God into our environment. But the real power of our Christian walk is when God asks us to join him with where he's going. We'll come to the altar and we say, Lord, we need you to fix this situation I'm in. But sometimes God will come to you and go, listen, I've got something I want to do in the earth. And I'm tapping you on the shoulder to see if you'll be yielded enough. To let me work what I want to do through you. Hear me today. We, we, the difference between the two is, is most often our prayer life, God come join me, is we're asking God to come in and make it easy for something that humanly we can usually do. If we would just be a little more disciplined, we could probably do what we're asking God to do. But when God comes in, and taps you and me on the shoulder and says, I want to do something in the earth. He's not asking for us to be involved so he can humanly do something. He's asking us to be involved so that he can supernaturally reveal it in the earth. The difference between the two is human versus supernatural. 
when God taps you and I on the shoulder, he will usually put us in a situation that is so contrary to what he's saying that the only way it's ever going to happen is if he does it through us. And most often, we'll say, oh, I feel like preaching in this service here. Most often, we'll use this situation, we'll use this circumstance, and he'll take advantage of this moment, and he'll put us in a situation where we cannot even recognize it's him. We can't even recognize it's him. We come into this situation, we come into this sickness, we come into this, this despair, we come into this thing, and we're sitting there going, God, where are you in my situation? It's not that he's not there because the Bible says he's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. That he is a very present help even in the times of trouble. So it's not that he's not there. It's that you and I most often can't recognize him in the situation. Because most often you cannot see him because he has yet to reveal himself. Did you know he'll leave you in a storm? And then show up like a ghost until he reveals himself and says, fear not, it's been me all along. It wasn't that he wasn't there. It's that he didn't reveal himself in a way that they could recognize. Mm, I'm preaching to you today. It's not that he's not present. It's not that he's left you to himself. It's that he's standing there and he looks like something you don't recognize because he has yet to open his mouth and say, fear not, it is I. Hmm. So we won't know God unless he reveals. Uh, that word reveal is the root word of the word revelation. You and I, we have a choice to make. When God brings revelation to our situation, we have to determine whether we're going to worship our situation or we're going to trust God and walk in our revelation. Mm. Okay. So, so, so he will declare in my chaos what it's going to be on the other side and then leave me in my chaos long enough to decide whether I'm going to trust him completely or not. Because... because he is forcing you and I to walk by. If I don't have a promise on the other side of this pain, why would I unstick myself? If I don't have something on the other side of this season that I'm believing God is having for me, what is the point of me even trying to move or live life any further? But when I have a prophecy, when I have a revelation, when I have a promise from the Lord, it will make me even in the valley of shadow of death fear no evil because he is with me. His rod and his staff, that's the word of the Lord. It is comfort to me. He prepares tables before me in the presence of my enemy. He'll anoint my head with oil. My cup will run over. That's why I can say surely goodness and mercy are following me. They're following me. Goodness and mercy. In other words, they hadn't caught up to me yet, but by the time they catch up to me, I'm going to look back over this situation and go, oh, goodness and mercy was on that season. Goodness and mercy was on me. Goodness and mercy was on my family. His goodness and his mercy, they have followed me all the days of my life. That's why I dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm going to do something this morning that is so contrary to great preaching. I'm going to give you the punchline at the very beginning. 
They tell us in, in our preaching classes, what you do is you take people on a journey of up and down and up and down, and you, you leave them in this kind of stuff. And, and by the end, you take that thing and you just leave them right there dangling, and you leave them right there, and you drop the mic and you walk off. Hallelujah. I'm going to give you the punchline from the beginning. I'm going to take you all the way to the top. It don't, uh, I'm about to be country. Can I be country for a minute? It don't get any gooder than this. We find it in the book of Genesis chapter 21. This is being echoed in the life of Abraham and Sarah in, in Genesis chapter 18. For the sake of time, I'm not going to really dissect the way I was able to in the first service. The Bible says that the Lord visited Sarah. Aren't you grateful that the Lord will visit you? As he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son at his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son who was to be born to him, who Sarah bore to him, Isaac. Then Abraham circumcised his son Isaac on the eighth day when he was eight days old and God as God commanded him to. And now Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said... God has made me laugh. And all who hear this testimony are going to laugh. In other words, God has done something so crazy and ridiculous in my life that all I can do is step back kiss myself and go, Lord, I don't even know how you did it. I don't know how it worked out. That was a comedian, by the way, from my day. I don't know how it worked out. I don't know how you did it, but I, mm, jump back, kiss myself. And because I want you to know that if it had not have been for you, it never would have happened in my life. And I just sit here and go, I can't believe this is so ridiculous. This is so crazy that you would take me as a where I was to do what you did in my life. This is just stupid. I can't believe you did this. I can't believe you made this happen happen in my life. <laughs> and then when it's all over, those very same ones who laughed at me will start laughing with me going, yep, that had to be God. Listen, I don't know how he worked it out. It's not nanny, nanny, boo-boo, stick your head in boo-boo. It's none of that kind of stuff. It, it's, <laughs> God, I can't believe how good God is. Because if he'll do it for him, oh, God, he'll do it for me. If he'll touch them, he'll, God, he'll touch me. If he'll deliver them, oh, God, he'll. Listen, and we all get to walk in the joy afforded us because God is that ridiculously good. Somebody say amen. So I just want to announce to everybody in this room, that if you have a promise from the Lord, it's going to be hilarious when it comes to pass. This is why the Bible skits, describes it this way, as joy that is... <laughs> and full of, not my glory, but only His. Uh... The Bible says in Genesis chapter 18 that he appeared to Abram. And oh, if I had time, the Terebeth tree. And, and he was at the Terebeth tree under, in, the, in the town, the area, the countryside of, of Mamre. And oh, if I had time. It, 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 this word, he, he found God at a tree. He found God at a tree in a place of memory called strength. Oh. He found God at a tree at a place called strength. He had an encounter with God and it was at the tree. And it was a place of strength. This is why I can't go to weak church. This is why I can't go to wimpy church. This is why I can't go to pamby church. This is why I can't deal with church when it's all fruit, fruit. Mm. 
Because I need somebody to tell me that the Lord is strong and mighty and act like he's strong and mighty. I need somebody that's got the word of God be like a, like a backbone between their shoulder blades. They're saying, though he slay me, yet will I serve him. I'm not looking for the cruise ship. I'm on the battlefield for my Lord. And I know, though he slay me, yet will I serve. I need to, somebody to tell me that the victory is assured and we're willing to fight for the victory. Thanks be unto God. I need a place of strength. But the place of strength didn't have the encounter. It was at the tree. Uh, so you can take me to a strong place, but if there's no tree for me to get to, I'm hopeless. He had the encounter. Oh, I'll preach that another time. Uh, uh, in the heat of the day. It was when all things got hot that he ran to the tree at the place of strength and had the encounter. So, so he lifted up his eyes. He looked and he saw the Lord. Malik Yahweh has now shown up again, and he brought a couple of angels with him, and they're sitting there, and, and he's talking to Abraham, and I want you to see this in the text, that, that Abraham is like, he's recognizing that he's about to have an encounter. So he runs over to Sarah, and Sarah is in the tent. She's in the tent, she's doing her thing. She's operating, and she's functioning in her thing. She, she's in the confines and the parameters of her tent. And Abraham runs to the door of the tent and says, Sarah, listen, I want you to hear me, that we're about to have an encounter here, that the presence of the Lord has shown up. Look what he says. I, I, I look at what he says. He says. He says when he starts talking to them that, Lord, I, if I found favor in your eyes, I want you to talk to me. And so he goes over, he says, I want you to make some bread and make some cakes, Sarah. And then he goes over to one of his little boys, ten and sheep, and says, kill one of, the, one of the flocks, kill one of the calves, and let's prepare the table. And so here's Sarah in the tent, and she's making preparation for the encounter that's about to happen. She's cooking and she's serving and she's doing all this stuff for the encounter that is about to happen. But when the moment of encounter comes, she gets stuck in the tent. She'll serve the encounter, but she's too stuck to engage in it. She'll make preparation for the encounter for someone else. But when the Lord has shown up for when you're stuck, she remains stuck in the tent. Now, before we start casting stones at Sarah, let's think about what she's been through. This is a woman who is now in her late 60s. And God has come down and said, I'm going to give you a child. And it didn't happen all through her 60s. To the point to where now her husband is 86 years old. So she's now in her late 70s. And she gave her maidservant to spend time with her husband in an intimate way. To try to make what God promised be manipulated to manifest. Hear me today. If it's God's problem, you cannot manifest it. Put that on Twitter. If it's his promise, you cannot manifest it. There's no amount of hustle. There's no amount of effort that you can bring to the equation. There's no amount of networking that you can do to fulfill the purpose of God for your life in a supernatural thing. And now she's in her late 70s. She's given herself over. She's given her handmaid over to her husband. And now she's bitter and angry. Watch this. 
for decades. She was in that tent trying to produce. But her womb was dead. Pastor, how do you know it wasn't Abraham? Because Hagar proved it. Her womb is dead. Something internally is wrong with her. And it has now been exposed. And she sits in the tent where she once tried. Because when she got disappointed, she could not get out of her disappointment. She was stuck. She makes the bread and... While she's getting the encounter prepared that she doesn't want to be a part of. You know, sometimes God's promise can be so long in coming to pass that we don't even want to hear God try again. Don't tell me another thing to do, God. Because you have yet to fulfill the last one. I know some of you are so holy you glow in the dark. But for the real ones of us, where he said things and it has yet to come to pass, it's hard to hear another promise when you can't get the ringing out of your ear of the first one. And he says, I'm not coming out again. I'll be a greeter. But don't put me in the place where he'll speak to me. Because I'm tired of having somebody talk to me. And I never see them follow through with their word. In her 70s. Now into her 80s. And the Bible's King James. She is now, according to her testimony, not mine, waxed old. And and not only waxed old. But now Abraham is waxed old. In his 80s, he was still able to make it happen. That's a sidebar. But that's only because I'm not 80 yet. Man cannot live on bread alone. Okay, this ain't marriage conference, but I thought I'd help you out. I thought I'd help you out. Thought I'd help you out? Uh, I'm not going to do it to the second service when I'm not being recorded. The third service, I'll be able to really talk about her. He says, I'm not coming out. Because he hadn't done the last thing he said he would do. Sarah is dead. And now Abraham has gone to the place where he's dead. Why would God... Take the time to release a promise and tarry in such a way that all of the odds are stacked against him making it happen. Her womb is dead. Now Abraham's ability is gone. They've just gone through the dysfunctional breakup of of that affair with Hagar. Abraham has been in fear for his life, so he slid Sarah, called her his sister, put him in the bed of Abimelech. 
because he didn't want to get killed because of how beautiful Sarah was. Oh, let me stop here for a minute. Just because you're beautiful don't mean you can produce. Just because the package looks great don't mean there's anything inside. Put that on Twitter. <laughs> Hear me. And now she's stuck in the tent. Oh, what I love about this text. She's in the tent. But the Bible says she's got her ear to the door. Mm. She didn't put her hand out. She didn't put her foot out. She didn't even come out herself. But she kept her ear in such a way that she could still hear what the encounter, faith cometh by hearing. Ugh. Just because my womb doesn't work in conception doesn't mean that my ear doesn't work with conception. I need you to understand, if I can trust to hear the Lord, the promise of God, then it can conceive in my ear. And if it can conceive in my ear, it will bring me the faith that I don't know how it's going to happen, but I'm going to step out on nothing. I don't know how it's going to work, but I know it's going to work because the Lord said it. I have, this is what I love about the prophet Isaiah. I'm in another tangent now. This is what I love about the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah comes into the situation with the children of Israel. And the Lord speaks to the prophet Isaiah and says two things. That I'm going to take you into bondage, and you're going to have to go through bondage, but on the other side of that bondage, I'm going to walk you into deliverance. And when the word of the Lord came to them, they were in freedom, but the promise was that they were going to have to walk through bondage. And when they walked into bondage, they knew that God was the true God and that he does what he says he's going to do. But what they should have done is turn it into a praise party because if they walked into that season, then the next thing that God's going to do is bring them into deliverance so they should count if he kept his word into this, he'll keep his word into the next. So she got her faith out the door so that it could be conceived in the place where she was not barren. She was just, watch this, bitter. For now she's old and cold. Abraham, don't touch me. Don't touch me. I'm tired of trying. Don't touch me. She's old and cold. She's barren and bitter. And it's a scary thing when you're disappointed and you start becoming a disappointment. It's one thing for you to go through it. It's another thing for you to start becoming it. This, this past weekend, and some of the elders have already posted videos. So let me just apologize now. No animals were hurt in the making of that movie. But there was a lot of fun to be had. On our way down, we were in the mountains. I won't tell you where, and I told them, I will fire you from being an elder in this church if you tell people where we went. Because where I am there, they may be also. That was a Bible reference. It's, I'll tell you later. So we're there. We're on our way down. We're in the mountains, uh, uh, up in the mountains. I'll just leave it there, of Appalachia. Okay, we're in the Appalachian Mountains, and we're in a particular area that there may very well be banjo music. Y'all okay? You got a pretty mouth. 
Some of you uncomfortably got that. Okay? They, we're in that area, and, and one, of our, one of our elders, Troy and Tisha, are in an atmosphere and an area that is not conducive to their comfort. Okay? When they finally get up to the mountain to the destination, Tisha has this very, uh-huh, this better be God look on her face. <laughs> it started out, this better be, that better be Glenn riding up on me. And then it turned out, this better be God that brought me up to this mountain. You were just a ram in the bush. That's all you were, just a ram in the bush. But on the way down yesterday, I told them we're going to go to a restaurant. I can tell you later. Ask me at the church. But they have this thing called holy cow cake, and it is holy. And I'm as fat as a cow now. Hallelujah. <laughs> and so we're on our way down. And I told them we were going to a restaurant, but I didn't tell them where we were going. Okay. There's four cars in the caravan. Tisha and Troy are right behind me. They knew we were heading in a direction, but they did not have the directions. All they were doing was counting on that the one they were following knew where he was going. And they were committed that they were not going to stop. They were committed that there wasn't nobody going to break the line or cross up. See, most of the time when we have directions, we'll kind of back off a little bit. Because, like, even if we get lost, ah, oh, we can just kind of figure it out and find out where we're going. No, when you're in an environment that you have no clue for, you have no comfort for, you have no background for, the only thing you're counting on is the person that knows what's going on. And you get in lockstep lined up right behind them. And it doesn't matter where, where they turn, where they go. You're trusting that they know where they're going even if you don't know where you're going. Your job is to stay on their bumper. Listen, I watch people try to cut in and out of the traffic. Troy was not having it. He stayed on me. Listen, I thought we were in the club and it was bumping grind. I didn't know what was going on, y'all. I'm like, I ain't never been this close to a man before. There are thieves, you know what I'm saying? I, I'm like, I'm see Troy and Tess say, save room for the Holy Ghost, man. Save room for the Holy Ghost. My God. My God. We're sitting in there, and I mean, he's riding with me, boy. We're going, I mean, we're zooming. We're doing all this kind of thing, and they're not backing up for nothing. Why? Because they did not know where they were going. They did not have the background for where it was. Listen, in those seasons when God's taking you through situations, and you don't know where to turn, and you don't where to know where to go, the thing you do is you get as close to Jesus as you can, and you say, I'm not letting nobody cut in front of me. I'm not letting them keep from me. No, I'm riding this thing all the way through. He is directing my path, and I I trust him with everything. Trust him with everything. All the odds are stacked against Sarah and Abraham's promise. And God intended it that way. Because, watch this, he doesn't want me to have a card to play. If you can understand that God loves everything against you and you have nothing but him, that's when he gets all the glory for it. If you can't count on anybody but Jesus, you are in a prime location for a revealed prophecy to make manifestation. And what's scary for me, because I came out of works righteousness, 
is I can't work for this kind of favor. Here's what the Holy Spirit said to me earlier this morning. He woke me up, and, and I just came to, the office, I came to the church and got here a little bit before 6. And, and I'm sitting here, and here's what the Lord said. He said, son, the reason why I don't want you to be able to work for it is because if you get a return for your effort, that's called a wage. But this that I want to release in your life is not a wage, it's a gift. In other words, I can't earn this. If it's going to be ridiculous, that is going to make me crack up laughing at what God did, it has to be a situation that if it wasn't God, it wasn't going to happen. So what I have to do is learn how to receive it, the gift. If I told you today that I was going to hand you $1,000, I'm not. I'm going to give you something called the word of the Lord that is much more valuable. But it would help, wouldn't it? Still not doing it. If I was to look at you and say, I'm going to give you $1,000. In order for you to receive it, you have to open your hand. That's not work. That's positioning yourself to receive. This does not warrant the receiving of $1,000. But this does open yourself up to receive the gift of $1,000 that you did not earn. When I come into the house of the Lord and I open my hands for worship, it is not work. It is simply me positioning myself to receive what he's about to freely unlock in my life, which is an encounter with him. So she's in the tent. She's got her ear to the situation. Let me run to the end. And she says, I wonder what they're talking about. Isn't that like a woman? <laughs> oh, don't get me started. Don't, can't even talk to you because you're all scrolling on Facebook. Looking at the comments. Why are you looking at the comments? You're not going to make a comment, but you're going to read everybody else's comment. Oh, I hit a nerve right there, didn't I? I felt that room tighten up. Nosey rascal. She said, I wonder what they're talking about. I'm not going to be a part of it, but I want to know what they're talking about. And then she hears the Lord say, I'm going to conceive in her. Listen to the bitter. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Dude, I'm waxed old. And you got crusty Abe sitting over here you're talking to. <laughs> that boy's got a, barely enough power to get out of the mattress. <laughs> I got babies in the room, but you got me. They can't even get out of the recliner. I need to shut up. Uh, I'm being recorded. I got to shut up. <laughs> Stupid. And the Lord says, hey, Abe, why is Sarah laughing? Like a good man. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know half the reason she does what she does. Oh, that felt good, too. And then like a good woman, I wasn't laughing. 
Now you're going to hell. <laughs> now you're going to hell for lying. Revelations, Revelations, 21-8, 21-8, liars go to hell, liars go to hell, burn, 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 burn. <laughs> Some of y'all going to sing that to your children next time they tell you a lie. You say, so stupid. I, I wasn't laughing. I wasn't laughing. I wasn't laughing. Yeah, you were. But she was laughing because, look at the scripture, she was afraid. She got tired of crying about it. And because she's afraid to trust him again, she covers her fear with humor. I'm preaching to people in this room. Your sarcasm is your defense mechanism so you're not vulnerable anymore. I was afraid. Well, here's the thing. All the odds are stacked. What, what, what intrigues me about this text is that she's stuck in a she's stuck in a by the essence of this existence is temporary. The thing she got stuck in was not a permanent housing situation. It, in its very essence, is meant to be packed and unpacked. To be dwelt in and then to be bundled up and to be carried to the next place. But she became stuck into the very thing of its essence that was a temporary moment. So she found permanent bitterness in a temporary setting because it was easier to live here in bitterness than out there in faith. At least I know what I get when I do this. But if I have to go out here I, I, I'm not sure I'm not going to get disappointed again. So she comes in. Can, can I go here for a minute? I, I was about to run away from it, but the Holy Spirit won't let me. She's stuck in a temporary place, and she's bitter. She's laughing at what God said because she's tired of crying about it. She's still in here, y'all. But she's also still trying with her husband now. She's stuck, but she's still trying. She's stuck, but she's still lighting the candles. You hear what I said? She, she can't get out of this situation. There's nothing she can do about her 80-year-old, 90-year-old self about to be. There's nothing she can do. There's no prescription she can buy hoping that her husband is going to be awakened in that area of his life. But she's still lighting the candles. She's still turning on Luther. She's still buying a bucket of chicken. 
She... Listen, candles, Luther, and a bucket of chicken can fix a lot of things. And if you don't understand what I'm talking about, you're too young. Live, live a little bit longer. She's still doing all the things ready. She's not sure if her husband has the power. She's not even sure if he, she has the power. But the one thing she's willing to do, if I'm going to be stuck in here, I'm at least going to try. You didn't hear what I said. If I'm going to be stuck in here, I'm going to give maximum effort in here. I can't control what's happening out there. I can't even control what's happening within me. But I know one thing. If I'm going to take the time to be in there, I'm not sure if he has the power. I'm not sure if I have the power. But bless God, we're going to try to make sure that we put ourselves in a position for God to do a supernatural thing through our life. Supernatural thing through our life. But here, here, here's where you got to remember. It was going to happen at an appointed time, not a preferred one. It's an appointed time, not a preferred one. Like God's not going to send you an invite to your iCal. And you have the ability to say yes, maybe, or decline. It is... This is what I'm doing. I'm inviting you to be a part of this. And it's your choice as to whether or not you're going to join me in supernatural things. I've already told you it's coming to pass. Now I'm going to put you in a position where your situation does not look like your revelation. And you're going to have to make a choice. Do I trust my situation or do I trust the revelation that God has released into my life? Am I trusting what he's revealing or am I trusting what I'm seeing in this moment? Is he truly going to work all things together for my good or am I going to have to endure this hell for the rest of my life? you got to make that decision. God is inviting you into supernatural territory, but the only way he's going to do it is if he's stacks the odds against himself so that when it happens, you step back and go, to you be all the blessing, all the glory, all the power, all the praise, right now in this miracle and forever. Forever. So she says in verse 6 of chapter 21, I'm going to name him Laughter. Oh, I didn't have time in the first service. Every time she called to him, she called laughter back to her. Every time she sent him to school, she said, laughter, have a great day, I'll see you after class. Every time someone else in the community called to him, they called to the laughter of what God had done in our life. And I'm here today to tell somebody who's in the middle of tough situations, you feel stuck in circumstances, the situations that are beyond your control, give it time, trust in the Lord. Sooner or later, God's going to make you laugh about how ridiculous it is that he did this work on the inside of you. It's going to be funny to you how it, that he turned it around, how he made this situation happen when there was no way it was ever going to happen. He stacked the odds against him just so he could get all the glory when it came. You, my whole, this church you're at this morning is hilarious. It's hilarious. You've stumbled into a room that people laughed at, that people mocked. 
You're going to call him to be a senior pastor? He acts like a children's pastor. He dresses like a youth pastor. And you're going to make, you want me to have a, I hate adults. Y'all laughing, but that's the truth. I have made that statement. I'm not being a senior pastor. I hate adults. They're stuck in their ways. They don't want to change. They get a little money, and all of a sudden we find out who they really are. God blesses them, sustains them, and then they walk around like they had all the credit. When you need God, you're all about God. When you don't need God, you know, hope he shows up wherever you're headed. I hate adults. You want me to be their pat? Do you even want them? This is hilarious. I get in trouble as a youth pastor for the things I say, and now you want to put adults in the room? <laughs> That's stupid. Yes, yeah, son. All right, well, you're going to have to do it. You, you want us to plant a church? I can go down the road, find somebody who's doing a crappy job and just be a little better crap. But you want me, I'm sorry, you want me to dig this one out? I like video games. I oh, got quiet in here all of a sudden, didn't I? I ain't got time to dig some church out. You're going to get me fired? I'm going to get fired. They're waiting on me to screw up. And you want me to do it anyway. When we were getting ready to transfer from the, from the set up and tear down location in Berwick over here, I was sitting down with the Lord one day and I was praying and I was stressed out. I, I, I've, over the course up until that moment, I have made thousands of dollar decisions. I had made tens of thousands of dollars of decisions. I'd made hundreds of thousands of dollars decisions from time to time with the conferences, the youth conference and stuff. But this was a $1.6 million decision. And I went to the Lord. And I started praying in the King James. Come on, because you know you're serious. Oh, thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. Thou art glorious and the liftereth of my headeth. Thou shalt smiteth. I don't even know what smite means. Smiteth the hands of the adversary, O God. Okay? And after I got over being that, I just looked at the Lord and said, God, I'm scared. I'm scared. My family are counting on me. I got people. I don't know why, but they're counting on me. And if this is not you, I mean, we're, we're really in trouble. I'm scared, God. I need you to come down, Malik Yahweh. I need you to make manifestation here. Show me your identification. Show me all the money that you're going to bring along with it. Hallelujah. And I need to know that it's you. Please. Here's all I got. Do it scared. <laughs> Do it scared. All right, here we go.
You know what they told me? They told me in my denomination. They said, hey, check this out. You're not going to do that here. Have you met me? I don't want to do it. You're, you're not going to do that here. South Carolina said, we're pulling your license. Well, I've driven without a license before. I can plant without a license. They said, well, we're not going to kick you out. We're going to send you to North Carolina. So I go to North Carolina. This is my story, okay? All right? So North Carolina, we go to North Carolina. They pull me in the room. It's got, mm, blessing of the Lord. God bless him. He sits down. He comes across his little desk, and he sits there, and he props up and says, brother, listen, don't you ever call me brother. Don't call me brother unless you're my brother or my sister. Don't call me. Don't start with brother. Don't start with brother. As a matter of fact, I'm going to make the bathrooms. I'm going to change them to brothers and sisters. That's what I'm going to do. No longer men and women. They're going to be brothers and sisters. That's what we're going to do. All right? It's a mighty fine JB. You got to, brother, let me tell you what you need to do. You need to, uh, you need to take your lovely bride and you need to take your beautiful kids and you need to get out of North and South Carolina altogether. And I'm like, sir, I can't do that. God's called me to plant a church here. And he looked at me, and, and, and I'm being a little sarcastic, a little coy. I'm preaching, okay? But, but he, looked at, he thought he was giving me wisdom, and it was. It was man's wisdom. But he needed to be another odd stacked against me so I could trust God anyway. See, some trust in horses, some trust in chariots, and some trust in denominations. But he did not afford me the luxury of doing that. I had to blaze my own trail. Excuse me. He had to... Go before me, making my crooked path straight. You're not going to build a church here. You're, you're not going to build a church here, sir. With all due, he, he was he was he was giving me sound advice, in his heart and in his mind. I believe that. Peter said, "Lord, it's never going to happen to you." And he said, "Get thee behind me, Satan." Not because Peter was Satan, but because Peter was being used by the enemy to distract Jesus from his assignment. Okay, he was becoming a gate of hell, but he wasn't dem demon possessed. Okay, this man meant wisdom for me. He meant that with, with all, he thought that was the best thing for my life. And I said, sir, with all due respect, I may not build your church here. But I will build his church here if that's what he's called me to do. In a city, you know what they told me? They told me that you can't have a jean tennis shoe wearing preacher and have a multi-generational church. You can't do it. <laughs> You'll get the kids, but you won't have enough content for people that are older than you to validate and appreciate. Well, the word works no matter what. If you preach the word, the word works. If you'll work the book, the book will work. You, you can't have a multi-generational multi church in this city. I don't. I can't. And then they came. They said, brother. It's not like Hulk Hogan. Brother. Brother, you, you, you can't have a multi-ethnic church in this city. There's too many racial divides. The black church are going to excommunicate their, their, their family members. And, and the white church is going to know how to do it. The, and the Hispanic, Hispanic church, they, they need their own. They even have cultural breakdowns inside of their own culture. There's no way that God's going to raise up a multi-ethnic church in here. I know. Isn't 
that crazy? Brother, let me give you some sound advice. You're not going to be able to have a spirit-filled congregation in this day and age. You, you can't come into a church service and let people get demon, d delivered from demon possession. Come in here speaking in tongues and people throwing flags around and people running and people dancing and people shouting and people screaming and people, the tongues and interpretation and, and all. You can't have a spirit-filled church. You go, if you're going to have a spirit-filled church, you need to put them in a, in a room somewhere. Well, I'm not putting Jesus in a room somewhere. I'm giving him the whole access. You can't do it. I'm like, you're right, I can't. If it's spirit-filled, I have to get out of the way. You're right. Isn't this hilarious? Then COVID came. Brother, don't you know that the churches we know it today are going to be is ruined? There are hundreds of churches, thousands of churches all across this nation that are closing their doors. Pastors are being burned out. And, and there's no way you're going to be able to grow a church. There's no way the church is going to explode. There's no way you're going to be able to do all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, you're absolutely right. If COVID is what I'm counting on, we're all very much in trouble. There's no way we're going to be able to grow this thing. God is not going to be. You're right. I can't count on me. Odds stacked against us. Isn't this ridiculous? Three services? And you had to wait in line because the glory of the Lord was in the room for the first service and you didn't get mad? Enough to say it out loud. But your face said it when you walked in. But don't feel bad. They're waiting now. Can't do that here. You can't do that here. COVID is going to kill the church in America. Well, good, because maybe the church in America needs to die and the bride of Christ needs to rise. Maybe that's what God needs to do. I don't know what God's going to do. All I know is at every angle, the odds are stacked against us. The odds have been stacked against us. The odds have been stacked against us. But at every single time, I step back and look and say, God, you are just incredible. This is hilarious. What I love about this passage of Scripture, and I'm done right here, it says not only am I going to look at this situation and I'm going to laugh, but those that are going to be looking at us, they're going to be laughing with us as well. And listen to me today. I don't know why he's allowed you to go through this pain. I don't know why he's allowed you to go through this rejection, this anxiety this depression, this fear, this loneliness, this isolation, this burden. But the one thing I do know is if God has given you a word, God has given you a prophecy, you will not die until it comes to pass. He will, no weapon formed against you will be able to prosper, that every promise is yes and amen. And we're going to stand back and laugh at just how good God is. If you feel that way this morning, jump up on your feet and give him a praise all over this house. I'm here today to tell somebody that you're on the brink of something ridiculous about to break out in your life. That there is something that you have been praying for. There is something that you have been believing for. There is a promise that has been yet to reveal, be revealed, but it is coming to pass in the name of Jesus. Somebody give God praise in the revelation in spite of the situation. Sip up your hands all over this room. Ah. We receive right now, Lord. We receive right now, Lord. Let the spirit of revelation, the spirit of prophecy invade every son and every daughter in the name of the Lord. No weapon formed against you. You are not a victim. It is not over. It is still yes. It is still amen. I don't know how he's going to get the glory and you're going to be better for it, but you're going to be better for it and he's going to get the glory for it. 
I hear the Lord saying, I'm about to redig wells. Wells of your trust, wells of your faith. I'm about to redig some promises. I'm about to bring to your remembrance what I told you as, child, as a child. Promises that were revealed. Promises that are revealed. Come on, I just feel like if your hand is lifted, your mouth ought to be open as well. Father, fill my mouth with the good things. You know the plans. I'm riding your tail all the way, God. I'm stuck in a situation, but I'm still trying. I trust in you with all my heart today. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I'm waiting on you to settle into this word before I release you. Hell is going to fight you to stay in that tent. But if you can't get out, you, you got to go to work. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Yeah. I just hear the Lord saying you're stuck because you feel like you're going to end up like your dad. You're going to end up like your dad. You're going to ruin this too. You're going to jack this up too. I just hear the Lord saying. But I want you to hear me. The devil is a lie. That is not your revelation. That is not your revelation. That might be your situation, but it is not your revelation. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for that. Uh, thank you, Holy Spirit. You can't get over what you did in your past. Guilt keeps you stuck. Shame keeps you stuck. I hear the Lord saying, I didn't give you condemnation because you're in me now. I have taken that sin and I have thrown I have chosen to forget it. Stop bringing it up again. That's a word for somebody in season right there. It's time for you to let you go. Jesus has already set you free. Come out of the prison cell. You have already been freed. Thank you for that in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I, I just hear the Lord saying in this moment, there is a debilitating fear of sickness. Yeah, generational health issues. Your grandparents had it. Your parents had it. Even the doctor, thank you, Holy Spirit, even the doctor has said, we've got to continually watch this. So this nagging tent of fear is keeping you stuck. Father, we break the spirit of fear now in the name of Jesus. We say God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. It is the inheritance of every son and every daughter that victory is your birthright in him. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Huh. This whole, this whole testimony in Genesis 18 and 21 was surrounding infertility. Surrounding infertility. 
And some of you have completely identified with the life of being disappointed and trying and disappointed and trying. I hear the Lord say, trust me again. Trust me again. Trust me again. It is an appointed time. Trust me for my timing. Trust me again. Father, I pray that you would release in this atmosphere the strength and the power both in husband and in wife to produce the desire that you placed inside of their hearts. We call it to fruition. If you can quicken the womb of a 90-year-old woman, if you can quicken the loins of a 100-year-old man, you can do it in the son and daughter that are standing in this room or listening under the sound of my voice today. We decree, we declare the pressure is off, but the power is on in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. I'm trying to move. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'm trying to move on. But I'm calling somebody out of the cave of depression today. You are not alone. You are not stuck in this by yourself. Yeah, you are not stuck in this by yourself. You are not alone. Hallelujah. I am not alone. You are not alone. my prayer team to move quickly prayer team move quickly move quickly I will not apologize for the move of the spirit in, the, in this room I promise you I will never do that if you're in this room today and you need prayer before you get out of this room you need prayer there is something that you've been stuck in there is something there's a perplexing fear that is settled over top of your heart and over your spirit and you say pastor I came here because I needed an encounter with the Lord and I will not let go until he blesses me my prayer team are up here and as long as it takes is as long as it takes I'm going to dismiss the rest of the congregation I don't care how they come in I just want you to walk in the power of his might today if you're dealing with fear if you're dealing with depression, if you're dealing with infertility, if you're dealing with loneliness, if you're dealing with isolation, if you're dealing with perversion, if you're dealing with addiction, if you're dealing with bondage today, there is deliverance in this house for you. And I want you to walk in it. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Hang on. You owe it to yourself to walk in freedom. To know what true freedom and deliverance is. Before you say, I can never be free, you need to get free once and then trust Him. While they're ministering, come on, Vince, while they're ministering, I just want to release you into this altar for prayer before you leave today. If you don't have to come and you want to worship, stay in worship, that's great. If not, I'm going to ask you to leave to my left or your right. You can pick your kids up. God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday. Come on.